I wanna give you a little tip on how I do it all while keeping my kids happy and content, and that's wearing them in the Ergo Baby Omni 360. I love my Ergo Baby Omni 360 because it allows me to get stuff done while they wanna be held. In the 360, you can actually use it from the point that they're that little tiny human nugget that's all squishy and really needy up until the point that they might actually break your back, although there is great support. I use it when they're cranky at dinner time, but obviously someone still needs to make dinner. Cleaning, DJing. Go to fruitsandmotherhood.com forward slash ergo baby to get free express shipping on any order. That's fruitsandmotherhood.com forward slash ergo baby. Now back to this amazing episode. And I'm gonna have you introduce yourself because you are wonderful and all of my moms can definitely use, they have a lot of questions. So we'll talk about you first. <laughs> okay, thank you for having me. My name is Siggy, Dr. Siggy Cohen, and I specialize with families and children. So my passion, my role is usually to be within a family dynamic that is struggling for whatever reason. Parents with children, one child within the family, child and parent, child in school, in any and all issues. And my goal and my role is usually to help each other, to help them both. And mainly it is the parents to understand their children so they know how to work best with them. Mm -hmm. So how did you become a parenting expert? So within all my work, advocating for children and their well-being was always um, something I just uh, loved doing and felt is very important. And parenting is part of it. Advocating for the child is the child's well-being within a family is helping parents understand that their parenting affects children in so many ways. And when you can do a better job as a parent, that's how you, the parent, advocate for your child's well-being, not just someone else does that. Mm -hmm. that makes so sense. I want to teach parents to know how to understand their children better. So they have a stronger bond, a better relationship. They function more in a regulated family situation, and they just live better together. <laughs> Because we know how parenting is very stressful. Children bring a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of fatigue. They are yes. intense. Yes. Under best circumstances, it's the toughest job. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yes. So I think everybody needs all the help they can get. Do you have kids yourself? I do. I have three boys, men at this point. <laughs> <laughs> were you doing this um, when they were little as well? Did this help you? So I was beginning to do it as they were getting older. So when they were very little, actually, no. I mean, I come from... My background is early childhood, and I was a preschool teacher, but not even when they were growing up always. I think when my youngest son was three, I went back to work part-time at a preschool. <laughs> so for those few years, I was kind of home, had the same hours as my kids, but yet worked in a preschool setting with a lot of young children. So mm -hmm. I can actually tell a cute story about that because one time a father it was not even a mom a father came to me it was one of the dads in the class 
And for the first time, he actually realized that I'm a mother of three children. He didn't uh -huh. know. And they were sort of like school age kids. And he's like, wow. So you work with kids all day and then you go <laughs> home to your own kids. Oh my, how do you do it? And that's when I said to him, I work with kids, you're right. That was, I don't know that it was all day. I worked <laughs> until 12, but okay. I work with kids, with other people's kids, and I'm very, very nice to them. And then I come home and I'm extra nice to my own children. <laughs> and <laughs> what I meant by that is that it did take some additional mental capacity for me to be aware exactly of what he was afraid of, that I use all my empathy and resources with in the morning. And then I come home and I'm like that, which is what a lot of parents feel no matter what job they do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So you have to be, okay, I work all day and then I come home, whether with kids or anything, working mm -hmm. is hard. And then I come home and, oh, wait, I have a whole other job. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's so true. And I uh, definitely can relate. I'm a stay-at-home mom, but it's like, I, I'm still two different people during the day. Like my energy me versus my afternoon me is totally two different people. <laughs> true. Yes. I mean, it, it's true for everybody. So what it means is how much we have to be aware Oh, extra aware, right? To mm -hmm. really tap into the bottom of our resources to do that really good job, which is hard. I know. How, how do we do that? Tell me. How do we do that? Yeah. So one, I think the main focus really, and often with my work is parents, be aware of your own self. Be aware of where you are. How spent are you? How tired? How exhausted? How frustrated? How scared? So much of parenting is fear, right? I mean, the things that the children challenge us with bring a lot of anxiety, like, oh, what does that mean? And what's going on? And what's going to happen? We have to be aware of it. So I say, while you're raising your children, raise your own self. And that means be kind, be empathetic. Be aware and mindful of who you are and where you are and take care of that. I don't mean like, okay, fine, everybody. I can't take care of you. I got to <laughs> take care of me. But to do it simultaneously because mm -hmm. we can. I'm not saying again, it's not simple. I just use, I just usually say it's doable. Yeah. You have to be aware. So look inward, find out your own needs right then and there. So then you can set it aside, tell yourself, okay, I can't attend to that, but I can later because we are grownups. We can do that if we're yeah. aware. <laughs> after <And> bedtime. After bedtime, <laughs> in a few days. <laughs> yeah, right. When they're yeah. 18. Exactly. <laughs> in a few years. This is temporary. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, and I know we discussed that today we are going to talk about toddlers because I think a lot of my followers, if not every single one of them, probably has a toddler or is going to have a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> Any day now. Right? Yeah, it just kind of happens overnight. So why don't you explain to me a toddler's mindset? Like, what is a toddler? 
<laughs> yeah, a very, very special breed. I, I, <laughs> I used to, yeah, I usually say they are their own species. It's true, and we have to study them. Yes. <laughs> yes. So toddlers are on the verge of discovering so much. And really what it is mainly that they're about, they think and want to do everything and can do very little. Mm -hmm. So the gap between what they think they can do, of course, I can climb up to the kitchen counter and somehow <laughs> jump and be fine time and time and time again. Yeah, no, I can open the refrigerator. I can pour my own milk. I can, yeah, run out the door, buckle myself, get in the tub, out of the tub, put what they think and feel that they can do. And the reality of it is this big. <laughs> And that's where we come in to understand that they want and they think they can and not necessarily stop that. Oh, wow. I see. This is what you want to do. Yeah. You can't do it yet. So a lot of it is actually placing it right here, right now, or be specific. Oh no. Can climb on the kitchen counter, but you are so good at climbing. Where can we climb? Oh, remember yesterday we went to the park and you climbed on, right? Oh, we can mm -hmm. go outside and we have a little structure. So place what they want to do, be, think and feel within the parameter of possibility rather than, no, don't do that. Not okay. Why? None of that. There's no reason. There's no sensibility in what it is that they're doing. There's just a lot of impulsivity. The world is coming at them from all ends and they just want to grab it. Yeah. What, when do they stop being toddlers? Cause I don't, I still have a toddler. Yeah. How old? He is three. He's three. So he's probably on the verge of not being a toddler anymore. <laughs> and we want to kind of say, yeah, you are more of a preschooler at that point, right? Within that age range of there's a lot more language, full sentences, probably more into initiative rather than just impulsivity. So initiative is like an upgrade of impulses. It's <laughs> like, I think it's not just, oh, let me just do whatever. It's like, I think I can do this. Oh, look what, <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's probably more into that phase. And then they're daring. Yeah, they are testy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. One of the questions that someone asked, which uh, with the testing was, how do we get them to do what we ask? You know, yeah. which, because t they're always testing us what we can and can't do. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. And what it, they also test what we are going to do. <laughs> yes. About, yeah. About mm -hmm. any situation. It's kind of like, yeah, let's see. What are you going to do about me not wanting to put my shoes on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it starts with understanding them and us. So when my child doesn't listen to me, how does that make me feel? Oh, <laughs> right. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's tough. I'm frustrated. I have to recognize that first, right then and there. Oh, you're not listening to me now, or you're not doing what I tell you. 
or we're not working together, giving other definitions, learn to sort of like break down your own feeling that attacks you so you can tone it down so you can actually regulate it. Yeah. So right now, and now you can even say something out loud. Oh, so right now you and I, yeah, we're not working well together. I want you to put your shoes on. You don't want to put your shoes on. Yeah. Or <laughs> I'm not really sure why. You see, what I'm doing is actually just narrating what is going on. What I do by that is I step away from this budding head kind of conflict, which is the most important thing. When I'm not jumping into a conflict with my three-year-old, I can manage myself and them way better because mm -hmm. they have no rhyme or reason most of the time. They're not right. thinking ahead. So I can understand that they just don't like this oppression. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I can say something. So let's see. We do need to put our shoes on. We need to put your shoes on. You need to put your shoes Whatever it is, I can state the fact, the boundary, not like, why? What's the matter? And look, we need to go. We're late. Like, I mean, we go all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of that works with a toddler or even a preschooler. None of that. So we need to put our shoes on. Let's see. Do you have an idea of how? And I'm not saying like, let's just give them now full range of freedom, but now we can give them some freedom. I can see that for some reason you don't want to do it. Not really sure why, because we're actually going out, we're driving, going to school or the market. It's not a bad thing. So how about you decide you want to put the left or the right. Now, they don't know left from right, but it sparks some interest suddenly. Oh, there's a cognitive question. <laughs> and they like that. Are you going to put on these shoes and then I tie the laces? Or you put on these shoes and actually they're Velcro and you can do it yourself. I mean, something within that parameter that gives them a sense of it's not really freedom, but a sense of power. Yeah, like choice. Like my uh... choice is power. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. empowerment. And really, that's what they're looking for. Oppression is lack of power. And I'm mm -hmm. not saying that we oppress our children, but that's how they feel. Yeah, well, a little bit. Like who he wants to be versus what we kind of have to do today sometimes are two different things. It's so true. Yes. You um, tell me to do what? Yeah. yeah. It's so funny that you picked the shoes topic because we just ran into this this morning trying to go to the park. I said, you can pick between these shoes or these shoes. And you don't have to choose now. You can decide when we get there. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> because he doesn't have to walk until we get there in the stroller, you know. So let's go to some more questions that my followers asked. We had a bunch of questions, but generally they are all the same. Like they all wanted to know the same questions. The number one question was, how do I get my toddler to stop hitting, biting, all the physical um, actions? Yes, absolutely. So in the course, by the way, there is a whole section just on that. One, why they do that and what to do when they do it. So back to how we have to understand their reasoning is not our reasoning. Why are you hitting me? That's not nice. You're hurting me. All that doesn't really work with toddlers. So take away these questions. You're 
only sort of like inflating the situation even more because your toddler does not follow that. Setting boundaries is really being clear, specific, and not explaining too much. So it's kind of like no hitting, uh uh, no hitting me. And now offering an option. Options are options are not diversion. Hey, let's see. There's a there's a plane in the sky. It's not like that. It's not dismissing their intelligence and mm-hmm. trying to divert their attention. It's really showing them in life. Sometimes we get to a, a dead end. Okay, doesn't feel good, but there is another path, and we have to be able to look for options. Options give us breathing room. So that's what it is. So it's like, uh uh-uh, uh, no biting me. No, we can't bite people, but what can we bite? You have great teeth, kind of like with the climbing. Can't climb mm-hmm. on a kitchen counter. No, but you're good at climbing. You see, climbing by itself is a skill and it's actually a good biting is important even hitting because you know what any day now you're going to go outside go ahead hit the ball with the bay right mm-hmm. with the bad or i mean we say stuff like that no pushing and then we say can you push the door open for mommy <laughs> <laughs> go ahead push the door so yeah no pushing people uh-uh can't push me or a friend But yes, you can push the stroller, the shopping cart, the door open, yeah, the chair to the table. Look how many options are there for my toddler to actually feel they do have purpose and power. Mm -hmm. So I stop what is inappropriate in very specific way. No hitting me. Uh Uh-uh. But you can hit the floor if this is really what you want. Go ahead. Hey, it's perfectly fine. Now I can even cheer them on that. Go ahead, hit the floor. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Someone also asked how to get them stop from screaming, which I kind of sounds like the same. It's another unwanted action. Right. There is a lot of physical behavior that is also very sensory. So they do a lot of, you know, because they're still sensory, they still put everything in their mouth. They still want to right touch anything and everything, even when they can't. It's true. And they're still watching, looking, hearing, pay attention to all that. So screaming is very sensory. So we want to actually use it like that. Whoa, that was very loud. I heard it with my ears. Did you? I bet you did too. So you see, if I scream, I'm only thinking I'm going to affect you, mm-hmm. but I'm making my, even my toddler begin to be aware, oh, it's affecting me too. You see, so any kind of behavior that I inflict on you, when you tell me that's not nice, it hurts my ears and so on, I want to let my child know those behaviors that you think you're inflicting on me, they actually affect you more. Mm-hmm. See, because if I scream in your ear and I think, oh, look how, what can I do, what I can do to you, but what does that do to me? Gives me a sense, a false sense of power, an ability to feel aggressive, non-communicative, like all these things are not healthy. So I want to tell my child something that is making them aware of themselves, even though they're so young. So I heard the screaming. Yeah, my ears heard that. I bet you did too. <laughs> now, they're going to scream again. I know it's kind of like, ah! 
<laughs> yeah, because yeah, they try. It's like, oh, you acknowledge it. Yeah, I do. And I first acknowledge and validate and make them aware without judgment. And so now I say, yeah, that was again very loud. So you know what? You can scream really loud. It's not bad, but not right now. Let's see. Is there a place we can scream? Now, it's tough, I know, but you can find much like with, uh-uh, can't throw the food on the floor, can't throw this toy, no, but you can throw a ball. And now you want to create like the climbing, even the hitting, the biting, create situations where you actually advocate for that. Let's grab a whole bunch of balls and now you can throw, throw, not the toy car, but the balls, yeah, can't bite me, but look at you biting food and so on. So even with the screaming, are you okay with saying, you know what, can't scream here? No. And you don't even have to say it hurts my ears. You can just say, because they don't fully connect to that. Mm -hmm. And also they think it's kind of like, yeah, actually that's what I want to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just say, uh-uh, not okay to scream here. You have a great voice. You can really scream. Let's see, where can we? And I don't know, can you go outside? Can you go in the room and say, go ahead, let's close the door, scream now. Okay, mm -hmm. you all done? Now we can go back <laughs> and it's channeling the need to where it is okay. Mm -hmm. Letting the action be where appropriate rather than just stop it and add our own sort of like frustration disappointment mm -hmm. guilt shame into it don't do any of that be clear be right there firm but also empathetic in how you understand your child and how you allow them to do what it takes for them to express themselves within the right boundaries which i think most of the time is possible Never mm -hmm. okay to run into the street, for instance. No options to that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, we can run. We can run in the park. We can run in our backyard. Plenty of places to run into the street. Never okay. It's kind of like that. What is no is no. And mm -hmm. then what is yes, try to promote that as much as possible. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. I, uh, I don't, I've never thought of it that way. I have a really chill toddler but I know my second one, I will be rewatching this when he's two <laughs> because he's a little crazy. They're <laughs> uh, never the same. Yeah. I, I say this, you know what? He's probably not crazy, but he's yeah. a little more feisty and challenging to you. Yeah. He's like, okay, there's already a good kid in the family. I can't be like that. Yeah, I, I always say it takes two. You have to have the yin and the yang and they definitely are. Oh, he's wonderful. He's, he's also crazy loving too. You know, he's just very... He's intense in all yes. ways, intense. which is wonderful. That's, yeah. <laughs> so back to the screaming and the yelling. I know that has a lot to do with meltdowns as well. That was also a very popular question. Like, how do you handle the meltdowns and the tantrums? And are those the same thing? So it really depends. So two-year-olds, you know, around to toddlerhood, the meltdowns, the tantrums are almost completely developmental. Truly want to know. This is something their brain is going through and needs to get through. So you don't actually want to stop the tantrum. 
you can monitor it. You can definitely set boundaries such as, whoa, uh-uh, can't kick the door when you're angry, but I can see you're very angry as they throw themselves on the floor and, you know, bang their heads. We can even say, yeah, you can't bang your head on the floor. No, not okay, but you can stay angry. And now they're crying and screaming. So you monitor that slightly, but allow them that expression of emotions. When they are towards three, four, and they still do that, that's when we have to kind of say, okay, now it's not developmental so much, meaning that they built that regulation. They, the pathways in the brain are there. They're not using them. And now it's becoming a little more behavioral. So now we want to treat it a little differently, a little more boundaries and more guidance towards, hey, uh-uh, not okay to throw yourself on the floor in the middle of, yeah, but I can see you're very upset. Use your words, say, I'm upset, I'm angry, I want this, I don't like when you don't, we want to allow them to express themselves in that kind of childlike way, even though mm-hmm. it's a little rude and, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> But it's okay because they're really very young. I'm not saying like it's okay for your child to say, you are the meanest mom ever, I hate you. (laughs) You want to say, whoa, one, I'm not the meanest mom ever, that's for sure. I'm not even a mean (laughs) mom. Yeah, I don't think you hate me, but I do Mm -hmm. understand that you're so angry right now that that's how it makes you feel. I can say that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, many more words. Again, no shaming and guilting. Why are you doing that? Why can't you see I'm tired? I got to do none of that. Manage your child's chaos by allowing them to express that chaos differently, better communicate it, give them opportunities to say what it is and show them that it's okay to be angry. Not okay to do this, this, and this when you're angry. Do you suggest like holding them. I've heard sometimes, I guess, if the kids want to be held while they're having a a meltdown, do you, like, what if they're not listening as well and they're upset and screaming? How do you handle that at the same time? Yeah, which is usually the case. So you do what you have to do right then and there to set some boundaries, to walk them through, try not to add, what's the matter? What do you want? Here, let's do this. Like, don't offer suggestions. That's just way too overwhelming. And the most important is don't even try to solve what it is they're upset about. That's usually a way for parents and children to get completely lost in this anger, as if, if you give me what I want, then I'm going to be fine. No, I have to be fine. And then recognize that sometimes I get what I want and sometimes I don't. And even when I'm not fine, I have to learn how to regulate that, how to express it better and so on. So it's not about here. Okay, fine. Let's do this. Let's do that. No, first and foremost is need to calm down. Calm yourself down. All right. I want you this. I hear you. I hear you. But first, let's calm down. So don't respond to what it is they want or saying, uh, or what made them upset is if you're supposed to fix that. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to help your child basically come back to their own senses, as we say, kind of regroup. Because when we are calm, everything seems completely different, right? Yeah. And yeah, we manage absolutely. and handle, yeah. We're so much more able to manage life when we're calm. 
that's what you want to do. So help them first do that. Now, I think that conversations in between are important. So right when it's all over, however it is, you want to say, you know, and it doesn't have to be right away if you can't talk to them an hour later, hours later, at bedtime, in the car, when it's kind of like a moment of quiet. Wow. So you are very upset or you get very upset and this is how you do it. You yell, you scream, you throw yourself on the floor. Yeah, we can't do that so much. We can be upset. And we want to learn how to be upset. And now you can help your child learn to express anger in a way that you're truly there for them, hearing them and letting them know, I know what it feels like to be this angry. I want you to be able to express that. I'm not questioning your anger. I'm just showing you that there is one way to express it that is not okay, but there's many other ways that are okay. So have these kind of conversations. And again, come up with ways for your child to also chime in. So what do you think? Next time you ask him, if uh, you're going to ask for another cookie and I'm going to say no. And wow, you're going to be so upset like you were last time, right? So yeah, use their own experience. They can really mm-hmm. relate to it. Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do? Now, a child is like, then give me another cookie. <laughs> yeah, <a> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, well. Maybe not. Sometimes you get another one, sometimes no. What are you going to do when you are going to be very upset? Remember, you threw yourself on the floor, you started kicking me or something, can't do that. But what can you do? They don't always have an answer to that, so we can give them some answers. I think you can stay upset. It's perfectly fine, which I want parents to be aware how often they try to stop their kids from being upset. And that's the wrong goal. Like, why? Stop. Don't be upset. It's fine. There are more cookies next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can be upset. It's okay. So I love you that. Can stay, upset. stay upset for as long as you want. It's fine until you're done. I'm only, I'm not telling you to not be angry or frustrated or disappointed. I'm just telling you how to not be or act when. So my toddler sometimes or used to TV sometimes would help calm him down. What are your thoughts on that? I think that pulling out tricks whenever (laughs) you can is perfectly fine. I'm not saying if you feel like it's the one thing that only the one thing that works, rethink that because you don't want to condition them to there is a fix for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. That that can become a little, you know, there's fixation and compulsion. It's like I always reach for this one thing that fix my life. Yeah, no, we have to have a whole bunch of tools and tricks to help ourselves. So think that. But if it's every once in a while, that's the thing that works. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. It's kind of and you can even say that, you know, what, sweetie, I noticed that. When we don't get along and when you're upset, this really helps you. Do you notice that helps you? If it does, that's perfectly fine. So awareness, even Mm -hmm. like that. So I I don't just automatically reach for something to fix me. I know that this really helps me, which is great. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. I noticed that it's on those days that he probably should be napping, but he's not really napping anymore. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of just gives us both a little second. He even sometimes will say, I'm not upset anymore. I'm not crying anymore. I'm like, I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am aware too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can, you know what? Ask him next time when he says this, what did you do to make yourself not upset anymore? Of course, he doesn't know, but yeah. it's like, oh, I did something. Like, <laughs> I like that. I'll probably try that this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. How did you make yourself not upset? Because you were very upset and then suddenly it went away. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you know how? But you can also show them, you see, sometimes, I mean, emotions always move on. Mm -hmm. Thankfully. <laughs> yes, thankfully, exactly. <laughs> Some kids I've heard don't have meltdowns or, or tantrums. Like, what do you think about that? If they don't, notice if they have other outlets that kind of begin to show in a way that's not necessarily helpful to them right? Mm -hmm. Like they are sort of like holding on to stress and anxiety way too much internally and not explaining or expressing. So are they doing too many of those bad habits, right? Like they start eating their hair or their, you know, kids do that, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're these kind, or they reach for food. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry all day long. Yeah. So know that most likely they are channeling in a way the, all that stress and anxiety inward mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily healthy so you want to help them because it's okay to express ourselves it's actually really important doesn't mean that I'm supposed to be aggressive towards you when I'm angry at you but it's very important that I'm allowing myself and I'm able and know that there's a way for me to express it mm -hmm. someone else also asked when they wake up from a nap or from sleeping all night and they just start crying. Cause my son also did that. <laughs> and I didn't yeah. know what was going on. It was TV helped us a lot through that too. And notice if your child needs more transition time, things kind of like when they happen just like that. So they're asleep and suddenly they wake up. It's almost too much. It's, it's overwhelming. And that's just a natural reaction to when I'm overwhelmed, I lose it. So crying is one way. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but do they need a little more time to transition from, oh, you were sleeping and now you're awake and you're like, it's a little hard. Let's take it one little moment at a time. Let's just take it easy. It's okay. So yeah allow them to transition. Maybe we just kind of sit there, right? Sometimes they just like to cuddle mm -hmm. before they're, and we can say, let's just cuddle. Let's just be quiet. You can actually still lay down. You can cry. It's perfectly fine. Try to not question, why are you crying? What's the matter? What happened? And now we put maybe sometimes even ideas. Did you have a bad dream? And mm -hmm. <laughs> no need for that. Okay. And yeah. in preschool, when you were, were teaching, did they still take naps at that time? Did you experience this with other people's kids? Sure. So usually most kids transition out of the afternoon nap around between three and four. This is kind of developmentally where they are. So a lot of them will still need the nap every so often, sometimes it's like every other day, they sort of accumulate this kind of like fatigue, but not regularly every single day. And what it means is that they are transitioning from not having to nap. Most four-year-olds, if they do nap, they actually don't go to sleep 
at the right time in the for nighttime. Right. So suddenly they can't, they're not falling asleep at nine or 10 or even, I mean, I, I hear of that and I'm like, yeah, not healthy for them. So you want to know that the nap at that point is not as important for their health as the night sleep and going to bed early. Young children's brains, I mean, I think all of us, but we learn to function. Young really functions according to the sunset and, you know, sunrise, sunset. Mm-hmm. So as the day progresses and the sun begins to set, it's like almost nighttime, their brain begins to shut down. They need to go to sleep right then. So it's really important. So cut the nap, even though you may have a few hellish afternoons. <laughs> yeah. It's like jet lag. It's like that, right? That fatigue yeah. that you can't control. But it's important. So yeah, most Three and a half, four-year-olds don't need to nap anymore. Early bedtime is way more important. And even though they wake up really early in the morning, which is actually really healthy for them. I know not for parents, but healthy for the kids. Yeah, I I question that every morning at six or five o'clock. Like, oh. Yeah, I know. It's cruel. Yeah. (laughs) And it, it never fails. It's like they take turns waking up. I can never sleep in. One of them always is up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I get yeah. a I get a holiday like once a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. A little bit of a break. Yeah. Let's talk about toddlers refusing food. How do you handle that? Right. So most young children are more picky eaters than not. I know that parents think that. All other kids eat everything and only their child is. It's not actually true. There are some kids who are really good at that. It's true that somehow they're just open to all the, all these flavors, colors and tactile, right? The way food feels. Most kids are actually picky eater and, uh, eaters. And that's because this is how their palate develops and also their brain. They take information one piece at a time. And food is that as well. It's like, I can't handle all those many different colors, textures, flavors. I can't. Smells even. Food is very sensory. Mm -hmm. So if you can work on yourself, I know how food is important to parents. And I know how feeding our children becomes like a mission. Mm -hmm. But if your child is healthy and they're really picky at eating and they're only eating certain items, I say, work with that. It's fine if they repeat the same food over and over again. It's like, why does he only want plain pasta? It's better (laughs) to give that plain pasta than fight. Food issues can become very severe, especially in our culture. It's not something you want. And it's not just girls, boys too. It becomes Mm -hmm. a lot about control. And, you know, we develop all these other psychological issues, emotionally attachments to food. Mm-hmm. We want to stay away from that. So I know it's hard, but give yourself sort of like most likely it will change because that's what happens. If I don't push all the many different foods on my child, they will usually gravitate towards new foods on their own, especially as they're exposed to other children, as it becomes more social, mm-hmm. right? Like they're watching what their friends are eating, maybe at school they're being served something the teacher serves everybody the same and suddenly it's not an issue 
So be open to that. I know how all the food groups seem to be very important, but children grab that nutrition and nutrients from everything. So if you <laughs> know your child is growing, the pediatrician says your child is healthy, try your hardest to pull away from how much you want them to eat versus how much they want to eat. That is uh, music to my ears. <laughs> yeah. And I know because I also had a picky eater and I know I remember it's so difficult, yeah. but it doesn't help to bad heads. It doesn't help push. It actually is very dangerous to push. So try your hardest. Want to eat the same thing? Fine. My kids yeah. used to order or want to order peanut butter and jelly sandwich at a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, <laughs> we don't have that here. <laughs> I would have had it in my backpack because my toddler is definitely a peer. And we fully embrace a dinosaur nuggets in this house. That is his thing. That's his jam. <laughs> That's great. And if he eats that over and over and over again, you know what? It really is fine. It's not mm -hmm. the end of the world. It will change, I guarantee you. That's good to know. Yeah. They now they now make these chicken nuggets with vegetables in it. So to me, he's getting a full meal, carbs, protein, and a vegetable. There you go. Dinosaur form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. See, another question someone asked is how do you set up a full bedtime routine. Very important. And I agree. So you want to kind of look at what is the last sort of hour of the evening. And it's not so much about what, just what it is that you do, dinner, bath time, story time, and bedtime. You know, usually that's the sort of like the how to do it, right? This is the, the way in which you want to run that routine. It's also about everything else that's going on. Are you rushing and running? Are there all these different things happening all at the same time? The TV in one room, the dishwasher in another, the laundry, the, right? It's like you want to kind of break down the day to a little more of an intimate setting. So watch what else is going on because it's highly stimulating for children, all that stuff. Start turning some lights off. Think, what is the sensory input that I can kind of minimize and tone it down as, that, as you go about that routine? All the way to, by the time they get out of the bathtub, house should be a little quieter. The room should be a little more, you know, with low light. You want to stay in that one space. Maybe, no, we're not running around the whole entire house anymore. We're just staying right here. So keep that in mind. Less is more, smaller is better. And that intimacy, that closeness allow them to begin to turn off their um, brain to prepare it for that bedtime and whatever it is that you can you know do is yes the stories try not to argue too much and bigger how many stories learn to set boundaries because they're like one more one more always yeah always and then suddenly i'm hungry i'm thirsty right? yeah their imagination goes dark <laughs> yeah yeah so try not to go overboard. Let's turn this light on, this light off, the door, the this, like run into the kitchen. They're hungry. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm hungry. Yeah, sweetie. No, I don't think so. Right now, you know what? We're tired. No more food. 
if you're a little hungry, it's okay. You're not even. And uh, yeah, this is the light that we're keeping. Keep it steady. Mm -hmm. Don't try to follow your child into the jungle of their <laughs> Yeah. They're not leading you anywhere. Yeah. So don't follow. <laughs> that is funny. Honestly, I had to stop reading stories because it just became a fight. It was always like, he wanted more. It wasn't the right book. I'm like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. It just doesn't work. Yeah. This is what we're doing. This is it. Let them have the tantrum one time. Talk about maybe prepare them. We're only going to do these two stories. How about before bed uh, bath? You can even pick the books that you want and they're waiting for you. Sometimes they like that. You can do something auditory. You know, you can put a tape in the background that is running because sometimes auditory is actually better than visual, especially in the evening. It calms us down. Visual is a lot of sensory, whether it's a, little, a story in the back, like you can say, how about we listen to a story? Even if it's just a few minutes, sometimes that actually calms everybody down, including you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That sounds nice. I was just like, yeah. oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So pick like books on tapes for whatever that they're going to like. It's very helpful. Two, three minutes of that. That sounds really nice. So another person wanted to know, how do you build confidence in a toddler? I think that the most important way to do it is actually what we said in the beginning, allowing them to recognize what they want, what they need, that is not bad. Why are you doing this? You know, climbing, running, throwing. It's actually recognizing it in a positive way because it comes from their own need for autonomy, for experimentation. So you can allow that and even promote that, except when it's not and when it is. So you love to climb. You are good at climbing. We can climb. Oh, not right now. Yeah. And not here. But another time. Remember yesterday you did that. So you tap into that memory. See, when somebody knows something good about me and they're talking to me about it. Oh, it makes me feel so good. Like, wow. Yeah, you're right. And we love to chat. Even when we're so young, human beings are communicative. So you talk to me about whatever goes on in my brain, I feel good about it. So do a lot of that. Promote whatever the action that your toddler seems to want and follow and repeat in a positive kind of way by recognizing that it's okay to want it. Even when I can't get it, it's okay to do it. Maybe not this way, but that way and so on. That's confidence. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about, uh, there's like one, two more big things. It's them whining. How do we get a toddler to stop whining and clinginess? Yeah. So you can't do that. You can't stop them by being frustrated. Why are you doing right? It's like, stop and go play. I mean, give them all. You have so much. And, you know, mommy needs to do this right now. None of that actually really resonates with them. It only adds to the overall frustration that is, you know, and now we're also needy. They're needy and we're needy. Yeah. <laughs> so check your own neediness at the door, really, you know, <laughs> by recognizing, yeah, this is hard for me. You can say, wow, yeah. And now kind of like with the screaming and the other stuff, it's like, oh, I hear you whining. Yeah, can you hear that? I bet you do. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. 
Yeah, make them aware of it. Don't try to stop it. Just maybe set some boundaries to it. How about you can whine right there. It's perfectly fine because you see the thing about being needy, it actually feels good. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Right? I mean, when I'm, oh, I can't do, I mean, we want to be independent, but at the same time, we want someone else to do everything for us. That's very true. Very true. It's true. So, and even whining, I mean, we think about it sometimes. I mean, this kind of whining, like we do it in the way of venting. Oh, God, you won't believe the day, the traffic, this and that. We like to vent. This is what they're actually doing. Uh-huh. Allow them to whine a little bit. You're whining. Sometimes we need to whine. It's really okay. Try sort of like tune it out a little bit mm-hmm. inside you and how it makes you feel. And when you recognize and validate and don't fight and resist it, it actually moves on much quicker. And then maybe you can say, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I am going to be right here doing this, cooking, sorting, and so on. Looks like you want to be doing this, whining. Okay, what else can you do? Do you think you can do something else right here next to me? Or, you know, I bet you can. And suddenly you're not commanding them to go do something and you're not sort of like pushing them away from you. Mm-hmm. You're just showing them this is an option, but there are other options. That's lovely. What is the number one question that you get from other parents? Was it any of the ones we talked about? Yes, and 100% they're not listening. It's not <laughs> listening. They're not doing what I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the one. It's like parents and children do not, cooperate or (laughs) children don't cooperate it's really that yeah Mm -hmm. that's the number one struggle because we come from this place of I'm going to tell you what to do and you're just going to do it they're not little soldiers and they don't really work for us and (laughs) (laughs) oh I love that that's funny yeah we have to kind of work at this collaboration looks like Yeah, looks like right now you and I, yeah, it's not working. I'm telling you to do this and you don't want to. So once again, recognize where they're coming from. Don't question that. Mm -hmm. And then assert yourself again. But yeah, I understand you don't want to clean up or put your shoes on and do. I get that. Yeah, but we need to. Come on. That's what we need to do. So here I am to help you. Let's do this together. Offer help and support, not resentment and frustration. Mm-hmm. And your let's talk about your course a little bit too. I'm sure you go into all these things. Yeah. So yeah, so the course, if people are going on the Dr. Siggy website and purchasing the course, one, they can purchase just each lesson if they okay. want to individually, separately. So they can just purchase tantrums, what to do. Or yes, physical behavior, heating, biting, and so on and so forth, sleep time, food, and or they can purchase, it's like a bundle. So Mm -hmm. each one of these lessons is titled, what are the challenges and the struggles that we went through and that are very typical. And I walk them through a little bit of background and explanation, but then most of it is really what to do, how to sound, how to handle yourself and them. uh, There's an actual script for everything. And and examples. So I run through different types of situations that you can totally relate to because they're real. Mm -hmm. Um, And you go, oh, yeah. And so it helps you break it down 
and really recognize what is going on, what to do, how to help the situation, and how to really resolve it. At the end of each course, you can uh, download um, the cheat sheet. So it has those like sound bites of everything that we just talked about. You can obviously listen to the, all the different clips at your own randomness. You want to listen to this part more or that part, right? However you want to do it, you can carry that cheat sheet with you, post it on the refrigerator, on your phone <laughs> to repeat. You can listen to the yeah can listen to the auditory in the car um, mm -hmm. so all that is available and, and helpful i always ask everyone the same two questions but before we go just an attempt to normalize the ups and downs of motherhood so the question two questions are what is your least favorite part of motherhood because it's okay to kind of have one of those and your favorite part that's interesting what was the least favorite my least favorite part wow that's a good one. I never actually thought about it. My favorite part, I think that I totally enjoy spending time with my kids and watching a lot of the things that they do. For sure, I didn't enjoy running around <laughs> and all the many different things that they had to do and remembering every little piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a time where you're driving them to all these different places and yeah. you have to manage all that and there's a lot going on. I can't say that I fully enjoyed that. I don't know. That I that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so sometimes even weekends were my favorite because there was a bit of a downtime and we didn't run around so much. Or maybe we just did something that was kind of low key or fun. And I can tell you, even those situations didn't always go well. It's complain, why right? you take them skiing, you take them to the beach, you go. It's they never good enough. <laughs> yeah, they find reasons. I mean, I did all that, spent all that money. Look where we are. Yeah, but I don't like this and I don't like that. <laughs> I had to kind of work through that. Yeah, but I can tell you this. In hindsight, don't really remember most of those situations. <laughs> That's good to know. That's very good to know. Yeah, so in the moment that it feels like, oh my, my I'm never going to get through it, you're like, I'm most likely not even going to remember that, so. I'm going to tell myself that from now on, I'm not going to remember this. I'm not going to move on. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to look you know, at the picture and I'm going to go, look, we had so much fun and I'm not going to remember the meltdown. And the it's so true though, because yeah. I think about my mother, my grandmother and how they think about me as a child, even, you know, like I was perfect at that yeah. point. I know I wasn't perfect. <laughs> because no one is and nothing is so yeah absolutely okay thank you everyone for listening if you're not already following dr siggy on instagram it's dr dot s-i-g-g-i-e and for everyone that enjoyed this episode please rate and review this podcast and thank you again i had a pleasure chatting with you today me too thank you so much awesome bye bye Hey mamas! The way we spend our money has changed a lot since we've had children. So to help with the mom guilt and the need to still buy cute things, the Fruits of Motherhood shop is donating proceeds of each sale to Every Mother Counts. EveryMotherCounts.org is a nonprofit organization that works to improve access to quality maternity care around the world. Just buy a hat, a shirt, or anything else in the Fruits of Motherhood shop and you help a mama in need. Just go to fruitsofmotherhood.com forward slash shop 
and use the code podcast to get 10% off anything in the store. That's fruitsandmotherhood.com forward slash shop promo code podcast. Hey mama, do you enjoy a nice glass of wine after or during a long day of motherhood? Guess what? Me too. I want to tell you about Revel Wine Club. It's my new favorite way to get wine. Rebel Wine Club is a personalized wine service tailored to your taste, budget, and lifestyle that makes buying great wines super easy. Tell them what type of wine you like, how many bottles, choose red, white, or both. Tell them how often you'd like each shipment, receive, sip, enjoy, girl. Check out which wine I'm drinking right now by going to fruitsandmotherhood.com forward slash wine.